I'm B. And I'm B. And, and this, this is Homestead Happenings. Happenings. Where every week we bring you along on our journey to self-sufficiency. And bring you exclusive interviews on all things Homestead from people around the world. So hit subscribe and follow along with us. Let's learn. Let's grow. Let's go. I'm V. And I'm B. And today we are going to be talking all things strawberry farming. I love strawberries. They're like one of my things. And I think also they are one of those things where when people think I'm going to grow fruit, they try to default to strawberries originally. I love strawberries fresh. I love them frozen. I love everything flavored strawberry. I love it. So I'm very excited for this one. Today, we are going to have Kimberly Ann here sharing with us all about um, their journey, where they're going. It's going to be super exciting, especially for those of you who are like us and wanting to do food forestry. Strawberries are a good ground cover, but you know, they do have to have some management. So I'm excited to be learning about that and what we can do. Before we jump into that, I would like to say that if you get time, um, Mary's Heirloom Seeds is going to be dropping her pollinator packs. She is so kind and sponsors our podcast, and she is doing pollinator packs and getting a series ready for January so that everybody can be ready. We really here hope to be able to bring in the monarchs and really restore that. So I am going to turn the floor over to Kimberly Ann so she could introduce herself and just a little bit about her that isn't strawberry farming so that we can get to know the person that she is. So go ahead. Hi, um, Kimberly. I have a farm in Northeast Missouri. I live there with my husband and three children and we moved to there to be closer to family, so we're close to my husband's sister and my own sister, although one of them is actually in Alaska right now, um, working for the, one of the museums up in Haines. Wow, that's neat. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. <clears throat> so, I think, I if I remember correctly, when we were talking, you mentioned that you did pageants? Yes. I would love to take like two seconds here and just talk about how that experience was and how you got to where you are now. Yeah, so I just started out with a local pageant, so about five girls, and when I won that, and uh, as like a junior miss, I was about 13, and I just fell in love with the like going and talking to different people, seeing the kids' faces light up, especially the little girls when you're in a parade, mm-hmm. and you're just... You know, you might throw some candy, but you're mostly waving as a queen. And those girls, they just look at you, and they'll come find you afterwards and ask you questions sometimes. And you have this moment where you can just touch a little girl's heart and really encourage her. So from that, I did the county system, which you you did your town pageant, and then your county fair pageant, which could lead to the state county fair pageant. And then... My mom started working with a woman who was actually a coach for the prelims to the Miss America system. Wow. And so I did the Miss America prelims. I never won. I also uh, married out before I aged out. Mm, When you find the right person, you you know, like pageants become second. (laughs) Yeah, that's so cool. I 
I never did anything like that at all, but we do watch. <laughs> I think it's neat. So I've always, you know, tried to watch the stuff of all ages. So I think that's fun and just seeing like dressing up. But then also, of course, I watch this stuff on, on TV and it's so, you know, s serious and intense and people don't see that side. So that's very exciting. Oh, yeah. I thought that was a fun little tidbit and I thought, well, people might think that's interesting. So... I suppose now we will leave pageants and we will talk about what we are here for. I want to know why strawberries and how did we get to strawberries? Well, our shop teacher at our local high school went to a really small school, so he was only part-time. And he would hire kids from the school to come pick strawberries for him in the summer. So my first job off my family farm was picking strawberries. My husband's first job off of his uh, family business was picking strawberries. So I did that for a couple summers. I lived further out. So I was one of the first kids let go in the year. My husband lived super close. So he could just ride the four-wheeler over and ended up being a patch manager. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like... So what would that, like, when you have, um, you know, strawberry farming in that sense, was his, like, big row crop as far as he's trying to sell them pre-picked, or were you guys kind of tending to it so people could come in for a U-pick? So they did both when I was there. What do you guys, what will you be doing? Will you be trying to prepare for the public, or will you be doing a U-pick? We will start out preparing for the public that, you know, that way you can have your store set up later and you don't have to put all the money up front for that infrastructure. Right. Right. And so we'll start with a thousand plants is what we planted this year. Um, and we let those uh, mature for one year. And then the next year is when you really pick all the berries and let them mature all the way so because you have a thousand plants will you continue to um like i know you know if i buy you know 25 my big thing is oh i can you know pinch off the runners so you invested a thousand and then will you go pinch off runners or will you let them go naturally so part of the point of like pulling blooms is so those runners can develop their roots really well. There are farms, especially in like Florida, you know, we're in Missouri, so very different climate. Right. We're in Missouri we're in... too. <laughs> <laughs> and so they will pinch the runners cause they plant closer together. So then they get overcrowding. Oh, okay. So it depends on how fast you want strawberries. It is found that if you let them get runners, you can get up to like 30% more berries over the plant's lifetime. Okay, noted. <laughs> for my for me cuz I actually have not really had too much success with strawberries and I'm going to go ahead and admit that's because I get excited and when I see the first berries or like you know I let the blooms go and I eat those and I'm just I'm committed. I will pinch them off this time. I will pinch them off and just just deal with it just for a better outcome. 
So will you expand to other fruits in the future? Um, the So our mentors are the original owners of the berry farm that we worked at. And they have suggested us go with a thornless blackberry. Yeah, black, and, blackberries are super huge here too. Yeah. Uh, they said avoid blueberries. And we'll avoid blueberries because there's a blueberry farm like 20 minutes away from us. Curious as to why they say avoid the blueberries. They like really acidic soil. And in the Midwest, it's hard to keep the soil the right acidity. Oh, yeah, I suppose on that volume. We had good luck with our blueberries, and we love them so much, but of course it's manageable because... Yeah, when you have two or three plants <laughs> for your own personal homestead, they're great. Yeah, Especially we... if you get a container variety where you have complete control. Yeah, we put in we put in tw- 12... Well, we probably have 18 out there now, but we'll see what comes back because everything burned up this summer, but... Oh, yeah. We, but, Gosh, the drought has been terrible. Yeah. But, I mean, I think even still, you know, we're even if we were, like, crazy talking about 30 plants, that's still manageable compared to a 1,000, you know, that other people uh-huh. are doing. So that, that does make a huge difference. We have tons. Of, so we're, we're in um, southern Missouri and, uh, well, southeast-ish. We're right north of the Arkansas border. So we do have quite a different climate than you even. It's real hot down here. (laughs) And our soil is not great down here. But um, for the the stuff to grow, I'm kind of curious. Like, I heard, you know, people were moving into Missouri. It's, you know, people are flooding in here. And I'm one of those transplants. Me too. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, people said, well, if you want good dirt, uh, they get down here. That's what they say. If you want good dirt, you got to get uh, uh, north of seventy. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm wondering what is your soil health up there like, just naturally before you amend it. Are you dealing with that, you know, rocky clay like we are? So we definitely have clay. There's not much rock though, and it's a fairly soft clay. So there's quite a bit of like your topsoil mixed in. And we bought an old Amish homestead. Oh, that's unique. So, that's fun. Yeah. So they've had horses and cows and sheep ran through those pastures. So in particular, our soil there is pretty good. Uh, now, the drought this year has been hard on it. You know, we had even, we have a very long driveway. So we actually have a, a real ditch. And we had probably a half inch crack down the driveway. Wow. in that ditch which is usually fairly moist yeah oh it was crazy i mean it, all of our stuff burnt up the weeds were burnt up i mean everything was just yes. burnt up and you know we don't have a well we don't have a pond we don't have um you know rural water so for us we have to haul water in um or catch rain there wasn't any rain to catch so we our our garden and things like that suffered this year because we aren't far enough into our permaculture plan to have all of our um all of our swales, all of our this and that. So our focus this winter is um to kind of mitigate some of those issues. He'll be digging out um some 
pond style style stuff. We're going to be digging out different stuff for the ducks and and pigs. And we're going to be adding a significant amount of rain catchment because when we get our monsoon season, as I call it, in the spring, if we can harbor that water over summer, because the fire department was bringing us water, but then they just like, they got put on drought warning and they just cut us off. Oh, well, yeah. So, yeah, it was, they had to save it for fires. Now, the other fire departments did not have that issue because they were farther north and they had it, but they wouldn't bring it out of their jurisdiction. So, you know, it was like something that was okay for the last five years wasn't okay anymore. So we have to adjust a well down here in our area. We're, we're quoted, it will start at about 16,000 and then, um, if they don't have to go farther than 350 feet and that's if we put just the hand pump right at the at the location so yeah it's going to be a process um wells are expensive yes i was like you know where you know we came from nebraska uh, my family's lived in kansas you know my mom's well was only like 160 feet <laughs> you know so and up in yeah. up in nebraska and stuff and we weren't we didn't know, but I guess, you know, hello, it is, it is also, um, you know, in the Ozarks. So it is mountainous and that's just what happens, which yeah, brings me. My had a house uh, around St. Louis and they had yeah. to have a 10 horse engine uh, to pump the water from the bottom of their well because it was hundreds of feet down. Yeah, that was the other and thing. They my said in Illinois had a, a third of a horse engine to pump. It's so crazy. Well, and we're off grid, so they said, you know, if you, you know, the hand pump will work if we don't have to go over that. You mm-hmm. know, but if they have to go, he says, you know, 450, 500 feet, then we'd run we he'd have to put it in the regular so that we could run um you know, the generator and solar and it would need its own you know system to do that which i think when people go off grid which we have coming up a topic on off grid we will and rain catchment and we will be talking about that because sometimes people think oh i'm gonna get a well well my mom's well went bad we've had friends have sulfur wells we've had friends whose wells went dry um it can happen at any time so we don't just want to just depend on the well which brings me to wondering since we're already on the topic are you do you basically drip irrigation that much those many or that many plants or is this a sprinkler system and do you have a backup for your well yeah so we have well and city water oh so so when we were not the english which is what amish call us who redid the house for electricity and plumbing and they had city water brought up to the house because they didn't want to trust the well mm-hmm. we're we haven't got the well tested yet because when we first have start, started using it of course i'd sat for like five years right and it was like you know you're pumping and you're like i'm pretty sure this is fine for the garden but i wouldn't want to drink it <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was stagnant so we've just been using it on the garden and you just could see it get clearer and clearer and clearer so now that we've got it to a point that it's clear we'll get that tested but for the strawberries, we have an old fire engine pump on a little trailer <laughs> that we bought <laughs> from the farm we worked at in Illinois because they're getting ready to retire. 
and then we have a sprinkler system. And the reason you would want a sprinkler system over a drip system for strawberries is they're, they come so close to the freezes that if the blossoms freeze, you lose your berries. So if you're going to have a freeze warning when they've already blossomed, you can run those sprinkler systems. And instead of the blossom freezing, you'll coat them with a little bit of ice. And when the sun melts them the next morning, as soon as it comes up, you save that blossom. So if you're going to install a system, just install one. And then that's going to be in our pond. And the pond water is really good for the plants, too, because it brings some of that nutrients from, you know, decayed plants or fish excrement. And pond water is really good for them. So, oh, and we use our duck water for so many things. It does wonderful. Would, I'm curious, so no one's ever in the history of, you know, my grandma, too, was, um, you know, she had all of her books from, you know, the master gardening and stuff like that. And, um, all the research I've done and everything, no one's ever mentioned letting the blossoms freeze to thaw. And then I wonder, it, does that apply to more things? It can, but it, you know, getting your trees sprinkled all over evenly is really difficult, but you could do it to save like a few. I want our, our plum tree. Oh, it bloomed beautiful. It was just, I was so excited. And then we had that super late freeze frost situation oh, yeah. and took both of my, it took a peach tree. It took my plum tree, an apple tree and the, one of the pear trees. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we planted new cherry trees and peach trees. The freeze took the cherry trees because they were too young, and the drought took the peach trees. <laughs> yeah, well, and we had a flash flood take a peach tree, and I'm just like, what is yeah. going on? So yeah, we, had, we had a storm take a pear tree because mm. it was probably four years old, just ready to. I was like, that's start the worst time. Fruit, <laughs> and you know, but it's still really thin. And yeah, yeah, we had no pears this year. <laughs> well, we had like. Oh, I don't know. We probably had a dozen on there. And then the wasps. Mm-hmm. And they left me one. They left me one pair. I was like, are you kidding me? I was already super excited that they were, um, you know, going to produce something small early. But no, the wasps couldn't have it. They left me one apple and one pair. <laughs> so wow. It's just, it's been that dry. They can't get water anywhere else. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, um... What varieties uh, do you grow and which ones do you suggest? So we have three that we have planted right now. Early Glow, Honey Eye, and Jewel. Those are our favorites. I've heard of Jewel. Yeah, so Early Glow is the the smallest berry. We think it's the sweetest. Um, Honey Eye is also very sweet and it's also a smaller berry. So those are the earlier ripening ones. Jewel is a mid-season, and that's a really common you-pick strawberry. We do not suggest all-stars. They get really big, but they also tend to get hollow and can be a little, like, styrofoamy and bland. 
But those are the ones you see typically in Walmart. Those yes. Huge ones, all stars. You know, we planted those and Ozark Beauty. Mm-hmm. And all of the all of the all stars, they didn't do anything. They just died. Um, yeah. The Ozark Beauty were pretty resilient. I mean, they made it through a chicken attack and everything. Oh, wow. It's just, um, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I think I was wanting something when I went up to Yupik up there where we were from and stuff. Their berries were super juicy, massive, and extremely tart sweet, if that makes sense. Yeah. And these really lacked that for me. Um, so that's why I was like, okay, I'm looking forward to this discussion because we want to, you know, buy some for putting in in the spring. And I'm like, if those are my, I got to do more research because I don't want to put just those two in because I didn't really care for them at all and I don't want to just plant them just to have them. Yeah. If you're wanting sweet, definitely go with that honey eye or early glow. They're going to be smaller. We tell people all the time, don't worry about size. Well, just cuz you'll get you get those hollow spots. They tend to be more fleshy than sweet. Yeah, better to just have a good mm-hmm. strawberry. Yeah. Um I will say how, I guess, walk us through, you know, okay, we're going to do it. All right. We're doing it in our thing. We've decided, okay, this is a variety we're going to grow. Now what? How do we grow them successfully um, other than pinching them off? I mean, are we prepping holes like we'd prep trees or are we, you know, deep mulching or what do we do here? So you'll want to, you know, cultivate till and get your soil nice and worked up. I suggest something high nitrogen because simply for the first year, you don't want to have a lot of berries, right? So high in nitrogen to really get that foliage built up. That way you can get your daughter plants and get your build a mound because strawberries don't like wet feet, but they like a lot of water, right? So build a mound so they can drain nicely and fertilize those mounds really, really well. What what is your what is your fertilizer suggestion as far as if um, if someone had access to say rabbit manure, which is what we use, versus you know going and buying the you know, whatever the nitrogen, um, it's escaping me right now, but you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> uh, if we, what is, does it matter or do they tend to be like, okay, they're going to want nitrogen in this, in this, uh, this form or this is higher or not. Cause we tend to use rabbit manure everywhere yeah. and ducks. Rabbit manure is great. Uh, we use composted horse manure this year. Horse manure is high in nitrogen. Uh, you do have to be careful with horse manure. You're pulling a lot more weeds. Oh, yeah. That that would be true. I I think a lot of people don't have access. Well, I think they have more access than they think, but they're not sure where to look, uh, which we'll be going over in our rabbit series, but where to get them. Fortunately, we have them, but we have noticed that, um, say, the blueberries, for example, um, 
they needed a little bit more than what the rabbit manure could give them. So we had to kind of adjust and they, you know, we, we used the ducks. And so we found we had more success with the, um, blood meal and the duck manure yeah. than we did with rabbits. We plan on making some fish emulsion. We have three ponds and we're going to have to overfish our pond this year because we're going to lose the fish anyway. So we'll make some fish emulsion for next year. Fish emulsions, um, high in nitrogen and still has a decent amount of all the other nutrients you need. We, um, you know, I, he, he's going to be doing a smaller pond for us and that's, and we wanted to do, um, in the, in the spring. Well, so we've done hydroponics, um, we like to add aquaponics and it'll be like a little bit with a twist, but we thought, well, that'll be, you know, we want to be able to use that water too and, you know, kind of use that pond system. So it's nice to know we are on the right track here. Yes. Strawberries for us are going to be so extreme because we're wanting to use them heavily as the ground cover for so many of these guilds. Um, and all those things, but I just keep getting, I think like my largest strawberry harvest was like five <laughs> and they were so yeah. small. And so they were good though. They were good. But hearing you talk, I already know what I've done, what I've done wrong. I'm, you know, I'm not mounting them. They're probably sitting in water. Um, you know, I'm not pinching off blooms. I'm not, um, growing strong varieties. I'm not you know, probably not fertilizing properly. And so I just wasn't going to be having, I just wasn't going to have the success I need to actually put up a year's worth of strawberry products for us. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, and another thing with them is the pests. I knew about, you know, we have added the red rocks and sure that helps, but they're just getting eaten up and, you know, we are organic and things like that. But at the same time, um, I guess I'm not even using maybe the right organic option because it's still, you know, we named them and it did like nothing. They just got completely destroyed. So what is your, yeah. what is your, I don't know if you are organic, but if you are or were, what would you suggest that I could do with or in it without neem oil to help protect those? Yeah, so we don't really consider ourselves organic. We um, prefer sustainable. So there are certain things on the organic side that are safer and certain things on conventional that are safer. And a lot of that will depend on your area and the pests. So talk to your local extension office is the best suggestion I can have for not only your particular state, but your particular county. Because, right, southern Illinois, southern Missouri versus northern Missouri. Sorry, I grew up in southern Illinois. <laughs> um, which is where the berry farm was that we worked at. But Southern Missouri versus Northern Missouri, you know, very, very different pest. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We, uh... So we don't deal with as much being bug eaten as we deal with like deer and rabbits. And of course, nothing you can spray is really going to deter the deer or the rabbits. And that's barrier systems or, you know, like a dog or something. Yeah. Run them off. We have a barrier system and their names are Scar and Mufasa. 
Yeah. <laughs> and they they make sure everything people to the the rabbit they're out of there. Anything small, Mama Cat and her crew take care of. Anything bigger than you know, just a small rabbit, the dogs take care of. And we are very, very fortunate to have them. We do have another dog as well, but he's not out 100% of the time. But yeah, I'm a firm believer in if you don't have a double fence, you probably got to have a dog. Yes. Um, yeah, so we've been we've been dealing with the deer. We're in the process of getting our double fence up. Honestly, the most trouble we've had with them. And then strawberries are also susceptible to fungus. Uh, yeah. There's not a lot you can spray on strawberries. The berries themselves are very tender. Okay. So it's all about spraying before. Like with the trees, yeah. like you got to do it before you have a problem or you yes. just can't. Um, so what, so you, you're fortunate to have a mentor, which is awesome. And then you, in a sense here are mentoring us and everyone listening, what tips do you wish you would have known? Um, you know, you have a mentor, so they've probably told you a lot of things, but what do you think is not readily available for us that we should know before starting our strawberry journey? I mean, the things like to get over winter, strawberries want to bed it down and people do like, you know, they lay a ground cover and like, maybe a little bit of straw or some leaves around them, but really strawberries went heavily strawed. If you're doing a large area, the one type of like specialty equipment would be maybe a straw chopper, which is what we'll use for the thousand plants we have. And as we expand, right, we'll need that straw chopper. That way when you go through and like till between rows that keep weeds down, you're not binding your tiller. Well, there's another reason they never come back there. Because <laughs> I just leave them out there because I thought, oh, they're, I thought, oh, they're hardy. I never put anything on it. My goodness, I am just, yeah. <laughs> he's over here kind of laughing at me because he's like thinking to himself, we were never going to have a strawberry jam. <laughs> um, so that's good to know. Um, and I know that there's going to be a lot of people out there who are like, huh, because people just expect the strawberries to come back. They don't think about it. So yeah. I, I'm sure you've just helped everybody with their 2023 <laughs> harvest. <Yeah. laughs> um, I would say um, now I kind of want to know about your business specifically. Like, so what does 2023 look like for you? So 2023, we're not expecting as good of a harvest as we originally hoped for because of the drought. We, we simply couldn't water enough once the cracks started forming next to the strawberry beds and it like was just like sucking water. Yeah. Um, so that's, it's going to be a little bit unfortunate there. Our best berry this year, as far as the drought went, was the early glow. And they are still putting off runners like crazy. Uh, the jewel we did plant a little late because um, you can plant them in June, but we went from a very cold spring where we planted everything a little bit late anyway yeah, to planting the jewels late and then it getting really hot and we've had no rain. Even when we, the rain would go across the northeast Missouri area, it would split around us. Yeah. 
And I'm not even, like, talking, like, our county. I'm talking our area. It's, like, five farms. Us and then, like, a bunch of Amish. And to the point where the even the Amish didn't even have tomatoes. Wow. Wow. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know it's bad then. For They yeah. have... Talk about a green thumb. I mean, but we would get no rain, and then, like, the baseball field would get rained out. Because it, like, <laughs> formed of us and scooted over it. That is, so we're going to have a poor harvest next year, and that's just one of those, eh, like, it happens. You have three years of drought, and we're not discouraged by that because we know exactly what's going on. Right, well. So we'll be putting in another patch next year. We're thinking more jewels because they're just a good seller. They produce well, and they tend to come back very well. So do and, you do you do anything on your farm other than strawberries, or will you do anything, not necessarily fruits, I mean animals or gardening? Yeah, we have, we have not bought breeders yet, but we do have feeder hogs that we have scheduled for next year to be butchered for sale in Missouri. Well, that's awesome. We raise red wattles here. Um, and anybody wondering about raising pigs can listen to episode one that released last Tuesday. Um, but we have a butcher date for old Reuben on December 12th. And let me tell you what, that day cannot come fast enough. He <laughs> is a pain. <laughs> the Idaho pasture pig. And we got our first, we called him Bacon, and he was originally supposed to be a breeder, but he retained his testicles. And it was really sad, because it's like, you have the best personality. He's sweet, he's good with the kids, which the Idaho pasture pigs are known for being good with kids. We would have liked, we would have liked them. We have more feeders coming. We we looked into them and Coonies, and we couldn't Mm -hmm. find them. Um, When I say couldn't find them... I found some coonies for like eight hundred dollars. Yeah. And I'm not doing that. That was a hard pass for me. Um, because we didn't have a lot of pig experience and I'm not gonna test my waters with three thousand dollars worth of pigs in a trio. So that was a no. But so we ended up with the red wattles, which actually we're super pleased with, but we still you know, we were thinking okay do we still want the ipps or the coonies american guinea hogs i think we decided that we're gonna do the coonies but i am curious if you're having just as wonderful of an experience and it sounds like you are with how everybody else says about the ipps even though they are a bit bigger they yeah we're having a wonderful experience we eat a lot of pork so we definitely knew we didn't want a coonie well, and they're a lard pig, and that worried me yeah. because, you know, the red wattles are, you know, they're known as the sirloin of, <laughs> and super red meat and all that and really well marbled. And so that was like huge for us. But we wanted to have that, that lard. Um, you know, we've got goats. So come spring, we're talking soaps, um, you know, things like that. So we would like to bring them in. They also do, of course, they're part of the business plan. They market well. They're smaller. People want them. They say that they're delicious. A lot of people don't mind that, um, you know, that fat line and stuff like that. So we've considered it. But um, I'm always curious, you know, when people, I, I know a gal who does strawberries and blueberries and some other things in the south 
western part of the state here. And they just did their first season of UPIC. And they do like Highland cattle and stuff like that. So I always find it um, interesting where these UPIC and stuff, that's the main thing. But you guys are still doing everything else. I think, you know, some questions that funneled into me before, you know, when I announced last week that you would be speaking was people were wondering, uh, they said, make sure that you ask, you know, what else they're doing. Cause they've just assumed that you just farm strawberries. You just woke up strawberries, bed strawberries. You don't have any animals. They thought that you, you bought the farm specifically for strawberries. And I'd just like to make awareness that sometimes people have parts of their business that shines, but they're still, they're putting in the work. They're doing it regardless of what their thing is. Oh yeah. I sold plant starts at the farmer's market this year, mostly just to pay for my own garden because we just moved and we moved uh, because of a family member's illness. Mm. So it was sudden and kind of, you know, that weird mid COVID medical issues. Oh yes. Yeah. And it was like, we have got to be closer to help with their kids because they have four. So I ended up like crisis schooling six kids for homeschool. Oh man. Yeah. I'm surprised you're even around for us to have this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that, that in itself, what you're doing there, did that pose complications with your overall plan or what complications have you run into? I mean, especially starting this COVID time with, you know, other kids, medical issues, drought, I mean, was that kind of it? Or were you also finding out like, man, we are going to have to readjust here and here and here as well? Yeah. Well, we were going to do, we weren't going to do strawberries when we lived in Wisconsin because there was a strawberry farm near us. And we had talked about like Jackie Little Pumpkins or lavender because lavender grows really well up in Wisconsin. And when all this happened, it was a readjustment, you know? So it's like, all right what grows around here and we live around the Amish right so you don't want to be competing with the Amish because people are just gonna go shop from the Amish it's impossible you can't do it down here at the farmer's market we had we had the same stuff on our table and they had a line wrapping their booth and I was like all right (laughs) and you can even have like my neighbor Ruby will suggest people go try something of mine because she knows what it tastes like because I've let her try it and she's like, no, it's better. Trust me. And people don't believe her. They, they think she's just being nice. Yeah. And she's honest. Like, they're not lying. The Amish aren't going to lie to you. I, I wonder, I just, side note here, What? so when we drive, you know, here in southern Missouri, too, we have a lot of Amish, um, especially around Seymour and, um, you know, on the way to, to Alton and things like that. And... I always love to drive by. I mean, we were able to drive by and still see them. You know, they were out there haying their fields with the horses. Uh-huh. And so what does that, um, I know around here, a lot of times they'll, they'll help the English. The English will help them. Uh, you know, you mentioned that she, you know, kind of is like, hey, go try her stuff or anything. Do you guys get together? Is there a community there? How does that? I just am always curious because I don't live by them. I just love watching the farms from afar. <laughs> yeah, 
we have good relationship with our neighbors. Uh, they, they'll come up the driveway just to say hi, you know, when because we have an L-shaped property. So their hay fields are in that L-shape. And, you know, if they're coming back there, they'll come say hi. They can fish off our pond because they don't have a good fishing pond. <laughs> and we've gone down. They actually run the small engine shop, like, at the end of our driveway. So we've needed a part for our lawnmower. And it's like, hey, do you have this? And they don't normally, like, just sell parts. But, yeah, they'll sell us parts if they've got them. That's kind of neat. Yeah. All and right. we, we're in walking distance of several shops. I mean, by walking distance, less than a mile. Well, and, um, you know, there was some people here who um, got invited on Thanksgiving to go do Thanksgiving. And they were on Facebook and they said, what do you bring to an Amish Thanksgiving? <laughs> you know, so I just always thought, wow, it's just so neat. We were able to go into their greenhouse um, and just see how that's done. And obviously they're also off grid. So, um, they were, <laughs> they're off grid and not trending about it, you know, but, um, we were able to see their systems in place and I was like, wow, this is, this is awesome. They've worked out the kinks. I can't wait to do that. But so I had to sidestep off the strawberries there for a minute. I had to ask, I was so curious. The only, I guess the only people we know are either by Kansas outside Kansas city, um, you know, row farming or of course, you know, Doug and Stacy, we've seen them on YouTube, and I know they have a lot of Amish neighbors. I think they're by Hannibal or something. Um, so, I I think uh, we had a couple of fun questions come in for this, and so I did include them in your in your questionnaire I sent you. Was um, would you ever grow or have you grown the white pineberry? I haven't had experience with the white pineberry. It's not something we're against growing, but we definitely want to get established before we even consider doing something a little bit different, especially in the area we're in, where people want a very traditional tasting, homegrown. Right. We um, we were able to buy a package. We couldn't, you know, we didn't grow them, but we were able to buy them, and they were really good. I like them a lot. Yeah, he... Um, he's really picky with fruit. He's very picky with fruit. We, we're currently in the middle of an apple journey. We just got done with a pear journey. <laughs> he tried yeah. a nectarine for the first time, uh, like two years ago. I mean, he is just not, um, uh, an adventurous fruit guy. Um, so we've been trying and he really enjoyed that. They were like, um, well, first of all, they said they were a white berry that would have like a pineapple-y taste. We didn't, I don't really think we got that it was like a what would you have compared that taste to i i don't know if i can compare it to anything but to it me just it was had like, a different taste than a strawberry yeah it was like it was, it was like a smooth um it was like smooth like a mango would be but it was extremely um sweet like and tart like a tart grape I wouldn't have, yeah. I don't like pineapple i would have definitely known i wouldn't say it, it was like that at all i think when they're saying it's like Comparable to that, I think they're talking about that tart sweet after you're, you know, you're done and you're swallowing and you're like, ooh, I think that's what yeah, they're... Yeah, it's more of like a, when you have a green strawberry, that tartness yes. mixed with the sweetness of it. Yeah, that that's pretty much where, where it is. Um, you know, another thing was, 
this and this I kind of saved into a weird weird spot in this conversation just because I don't know how much um, you'll have on it and it could be a lot. People asked me, and I already had this in the questions, so good thing I was on the right track. Let's talk about yield, like plant to yield, um, because I've got I've got friends, a lot of them down here. We're talking families of seven, and they just cannot grow enough. And it's like what when you're looking online, you're seeing oh I got a bundle of twenty five or oh here's a hundred runners. What do we do here? So if you're wanting to have enough for a family of seven, it's really suggested to have about 50 plants per person. So if you have a family of seven, 50 times seven. Okay, that makes sense. That's also why we're not getting enough. That's a lot here. of strawberries. It's a lot yeah. of strawberries. I, I would, it is. There's, um, you know, we're, we're small. We're a family of three. But... We, I feel like, eat an excessive amount of strawberries. Yeah, we do too. So, we have like 300 set aside for ourselves, probably. Plants in a different area. And that'll be okay for us. But we'll probably make our own personal patch a little bit bigger as things grow. Because that's all of our favorite fruit. Yeah, well, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, we're going to use it as the ground cover, but there's other things that need to be the ground cover as well. And so it's like, we're not lacking in space to grow them. It's just, we, I'm like, okay, what is our minimum here? Because we also have to factor for loss. Um, Uh You know, and if we go, let's say we're going to Walmart, we go to Walmart, we buy that, you know, that single plastic thing of strawberries. Um, That's like... That's like a lunch. Yes. Um, so, you know, especially um, I do have a medical condition and I need to eat a lot of um, whole foods, a lot of fruits and vegetables and things like that often. Um, that's like the pretty much the basis of my diet. And my son will get crazy. He's also a growing boy. We're talking 13, you know, mm-hmm. so... I'm like, okay, I'm hearing 50 plants a person, you know, so then we're 150 plants, but then, you know, the, the dogs and the cats, they'll do their best. But once we go into the forest part, you know, they're not going to get every chipmunk, every mouse, every this and that. So we're probably, you know, needing to have some type of control environment at a hundred a person just for us personally and then whatever we get from all the other spaces would be our additional basically and i say i use us as an example but there's a lot of families like us and especially in our area um and they just don't know you know we strawberry pie strawberry cheesecake strawberries um you know frozen smoothies you start going through all these things and then one thing leads to another and you're out buying the Amish strawberries mm-hmm. because you don't have enough. So that's kind of nice to know about yield and even asking online and Facebook groups and stuff like that. People will just say, oh, just grow a lot or toss in a bundle of a hundred. And, and that's just not guiding. That just doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> so I, I always wondered about, about that. Um, 
So what are some of the goals for your farm and for the future? Like overall. And overall, like where do you see it going? Five years, you know. Uh, We'll expand at least by one patch every year, and that's the current expansion goal. And as my kids get into school, of course, that becomes more manageable. We will have to hire employees. There are harvesters for strawberries. They're multi-million dollar machine and, you know, not reasonable to buy yet because they've been invented in the last five years. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. You're going to have to sell off a kidney or something. So, so it'll be, it's all hand harvesting still for strawberries for the most part. And we have some homesteading families. There's actually been a lot of Amish that have moved out and English families have bought them. So there's some families that are living on the grid, some families that are converting to, you know, some electric, um, very sustainable living type situations. And they have, you know, three, four, five kids. And then, of course, have all the Amish kids. And we will try to hire those kids up for the two to three weeks of harvest. If you plant a later variety, you can get five weeks of harvest. And those kids you pay per pound picked. I'm glad that you just brought that up. Um, because I thought about this question whilst we've been talking and then forgot again because that's so me. Um, I'm, what is, so there's like June bearing this and that. So you want to plant various, right? Otherwise you're only getting like a mass two weeks of harvest. Yeah. So for the farm, you plant June bearing. We have a ever bearing patch for the kids. And that is a snacking patch because it doesn't ever produce enough at a time. There's only 25 plants in it to be snacky. Okay. So they do do a fairly big June flush and then a fall flush. But I don't find that they produce that well for like making jelly. Okay. You could freeze them as they come up, but I find them to be a snacking plant. Okay. Um, yeah, I was I was kind of wondering about that, and um, I think also you mentioned there's harvesters and how expensive they are. Um, you know, we know how you're growing, but and you're gonna hire help to pick. So does that mean it's just you and your husband that are literally planting one by one, or is there some type of equipment that you're using to plant? So this year we did plant one by one. A thousand strawberry plants, that wasn't too bad. If we were to plant three to four patches in a year, which when you are redoing patches because they need reworked up or you've had enough deer steel plants or something, uh, you can get transplanters to completely redo that and you'll have it done in an hour. And most transplanters, you have somebody on the tractor with some somebody else sitting on the transplanter feeding strawberries and plants into the transplanter. Huh. I didn't even know that was a thing or existed. Right. <laughs> That's something we're on the lookout for. Um, um, I Too bad we're not closer because I would have yeah. definitely mm-hmm. picked strawberries. Yeah. But, you know, that's another thing. You're hiring people, paying them to pick. Do they sneak one? <laughs> I Oh, when... Of course they will. <laughs> I I was like, I wonder if everybody, I don't think I would, I don't think I would have, 
the restraint. I think like at the very first, you know, we're job day one. I would look you in the face and I'd be like, can I eat one? Like, I wouldn't want to steal it, so I wouldn't just eat it. So, of course, we haven't had to hire anyone to pick for us yet. But when I was picking, we were told, you're allowed to eat as much as you want. You just won't get paid for it. Fair. Fair. Because you get paid by the pound. (laughs) Because I'm like... (laughs) Pick one, eat one. Pick one, eat one. (laughs) (laughs) We went in to pick... um, um, Little, we've all, we've got one big question for you left, but little sidetrack here. We went to go pick in, um, Omaha, outside Omaha, Nebraska, there is a uh, Pam Nelson and that is a big, they just, they're just growing and growing, and growing. Their farm's crazy now. Um, they even have like, like, uh, agritourism thing. We were able to like go to like petting zoo style and it's a thing, but they have rows and rows of strawberries and I mean, how fun. It was, they, so theirs had that black, they did plant in, in mounds, but it had that black plastic over the whole thing. And then just, you know, so it was mounded, covered in black plastic, and then there was just black plastic that you'd walk on. Um, and so when you were walking through, you could see all the red berries and, you know, you're racing the other people to those berries. <laughs> Uh-huh. trying to get them and so we thought that was super fun but i wondered um uh, having the black plastic and stuff like that if we can see them so well i suppose you have a lot of aerial issues then uh, yeah yeah so, you can try to shoot the birds scare them off uh, the farm we worked on had the bird cannon and they'd shoot them off typically that was more blueberries that you had the biggest issues with because of course they can land on the yeah the, the bush and like eat the berries while sitting there yeah i think we're gonna net ours just mm-hmm. because i'm like man i you know as when you we... get to farm size the netting becomes almost impossible yeah Homestead well it's definitely recommended fortunately for us you know we have we our goal here is to have the entire property be um, all uh, permaculture gardening and food forestry with spots of silvopasture, mm-hmm. and so for us, it you'd think because it's homestead level it would be manageable, but actually, maybe this first you know couple years, but even though it's only going to be planted out on five acres. It's going to be so spread out and doing it permaculture style. We're going to be creating so many, like an ecosystem there's no way we're going to be able to net all those. And there's no way we're going to be able to manage that. Eventually it's just going to get pretty wild. And so I think the back, back part of it, um, we're going to plant like some varieties that are good pollinators and companions, but not necessarily our chosen varieties. And those will be at the edges and stuff for the deer and things like that, because it yeah. is still, you know, they're still important, but they're important in their own space. So I think that's what we'll, we'll do. Um, so the last burning question is what do you do in the off season to prepare for the next one? Other than, you know, your deep bedding, but then what do you do as a farm or as a, I don't know, you know, what do you do? Well, I mean, winter is pretty slow. Just, it's 
you know, your higher time of rest, you know, your time of reset. So that will be a lot of number crunching, deciding how many different varieties you want, if you want to expand, you know, because we reevaluate our goals every winter. Reevaluate varieties, right? If you had one that did really well, you might change and get a different variety to get into a later season because you're finding maybe that we're, you know, we're too far north for the early season. Mm. So when you get the late June bearing instead of the early June bearing to adjust, or you can be equipment maintaining, right? That's when you do your deep dives into cleaning stuff up. Right, right. Um, Yeah, ours, we made our list for winter prep, and then we have spring prep for what we do over winter, and then we have summer prep for what we do in spring. Mm -hmm. We just got done making those lists. Um, Man, they're lengthy. But we have gotten so behind, and so we've really got to, you know, get scooting. And so winter affords that. I worry about this winter. Um, it's going to be a nasty one, I think, is what they're calling. And yeah, so, we're worried about our berries because they aren't as strong as they should be because it's been a drought. Yeah. And we're not, it doesn't look like we're going to get the rain in the fall either. So if it gets cold and wet, it it might be interesting. So we're going to try to do a little bit of extra deep bedding and we can afford to do that this year simply because we started out small. Right. And if you're wanting to get started on a farm, farmer's market type level, you're definitely going to want to start small and grow rather than jump in because you don't want to lose all of your crop because you decided to paint plant, you know, 10,000 plants this year. Right, right. That's a good thing to kind of remember to just grow as you go. Instead of, you know, for, I think people get overwhelmed thinking even for us, oh, 150 plants, you know, that's actually not bad, you know, but people think they're going to do these you picks. And I think it's good that they heard you say a thousand is small because I think people go in and they think they're going to have this crazy yield, but they only put in 400 plants and they don't even have enough for jelly, you know, so people definitely do too little for themselves and then when they try to do the farm, they do too much. Yeah. Our mentors jumped in with two acres of berries all at once. Yeah. Oh, they, man. Holy geez. cow. And they're like, we were exhausted. They're like, we were breaking our backs. And she's like, you have kids. She's like, we started without kids because they adopted their kids later. Wow. Yeah. And she's like, no. Start small. And, like, reiterated it so many times when we were, like, calling and asking questions about getting started. And, you know, we FaceTime a lot. Tried to ask all the questions that... Not how many plants per acre because we didn't remember we just yeah. did as we were told yeah what is that how many plants per acre is that? um okay what so about a fourth of an acre is about 13 to 1500 plants wow wow and that's with spreading them out for runners so if you want to just let them go to to bury in the first year you would plant them closer together yeah, that's very interesting. We were way off on our numbers. We've got a lot of work to do before spring. So, um, 
we've taken so much of your time. We appreciate you coming and talking. And I know I'm not the only one sitting here listening like, really? Huh? Interesting. (laughs) So where do you have a farm page, Facebook page? Do you have any of that stuff or is that something you're going to create later? Yes, we do have it. It is God's Golden Acres. And that that name is from a farm sign on the farm. My parents rented for 28 years and then bought. Wow. Awesome. And the, the original owner, like, as soon as he found out my mom was having babies after t- 12 years of infertility, like, redid the house for my parents and was just super sweet. That's and really so- encouraging that she had children yeah. after 12 years. We are 11 years nothing um the so of course you know we're very godly people you know why it's god's golden acres uh be careful you prayed for i'm a triplet (laughs) 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 well i wanted to have six or seven um i'm pretty sure he was like no (laughs) ma'am but yes my son is from uh previous he desperately wants siblings he's always wanted siblings we've just tried and tried and you know, we're not going to give up. We're just not, um, it's not a primary, um, thought right now. It's just, you know, if it happens or, you know, whatever at this point, we are fortunate that we are young. Um, we are just in our early thirties. So, um, a lot of people, you know, they don't have luck until 45, you know, so we're just remaining optimistic, but that's awesome that, she's I, I love that our name has a meaning too and i just love to hear the stories behind yeah. it so yeah. is it god's golden acres on just facebook or do you have others um so facebook i don't update as much uh youtube i try to do a video once or twice a week and you can see like how the drought has affected our strawberries on those videos and we also have instagram perfect and it's you know, it's God's Golden Acres, all one word for searching. It's usually the best way to find it on, like, Instagram and then on YouTube. You can type it out normally. Yeah. We um, uh, we will be watching a lot of the, the YouTube videos personally and things like that. We have a YouTube. We've paused in preparation for something big that's coming in summer. But um, we encourage everyone to go follow Kimberly, it was so nice of her to adjust her schedule. We've had an absolutely crazy week. It's been just insane. And for the fact that she was so flexible, um, you know, let's let's show her that love. And she's a fellow Missouri resident, and of course we are too. So special place there. So we really appreciate that. But yeah. on that note, we're gonna let you enjoy your Sunday. And thank you so much. And again, you can look on any of our social media. We will have her linked into many posts. And on that note, let's learn. Let's grow. Let's Let's go. go. Thanks, Kimberly. Thanks for having me.